This is our series in the life of David, and we're well on our way. You'd notice in your study guide this morning that we're in part three. This is the stage of King David's life where he is indeed King David. He's not the shepherd boy or the giant killer any longer. He's not the one who's being hunted in the shadow of death by, uh, by King Saul, but now he is the king with the table prepared before him in the presence of his enemies. And right now, uh, David, there's no, there is no question that in the text that we're studying, that day, the hand of God's blessing is uniquely on David's life. David ha- is, um, well, let's look at the, uh, his, let's look at the key verse. And I need to get my place there as well today. So I didn't have my ribbon on my text. So just forgive me, taking a minute to get there. Second Samuel 5. The text I want to show you is verse number 10. 2 Samuel 5, verse 10. Now remember, just a few weeks ago, there are years in David's life, but a few weeks ago with us, we would have read things like, uh, and David was hiding in a cave, or and David fled. We would have read all those things, but that's not how his life is going now. He's gone from a deep valley to a high mountaintop. And it says in verse number 10, and David, well, why don't we read that verse out loud together? Ready, begin. And David went on. Let's start it again. And David what? He went on. And then what happened? He He grew great. He grew great. The Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons. And they built David a house. Verse 12. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. As we said before, the hand of God's goodness and the hand of God's blessing was unmistakably upon David. We realized this morning that how you and I face times of great blessing can be just as spiritually significant is how we handle great trials that come our way. Have you seen that? That sometimes people walk with God, the the trial is sometimes used in, in people's lives to lead us closer to God. But then what will happen when we walk in His blessing? What will happen when, not when we have to, you know, do our best to rub two nickels together, but what about when the bank account is, has more than it needs? What about when, uh, not when we can afford to go out to eat maybe once a year, but you could do it more frequently. How do we trust God in those times? What about when the blessings are coming? What about when the blessings flow? So this morning, as we look at David's life, we're going to use the illustration of David's life in this Old Testament passage, and we're going to look at other scriptures that teach us how to walk in his blessing. How many of you could say with me, God has been good, oh, so good to me? Has he not? I mean, God has just been good, even in the trials, even in the hard times. There's a song that's going around these days. I kept thinking it and singing it in my head. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. He's been good to us, hasn't he? God has been good. And God has been good to our nation. This isn't a patriotic or Fourth of July sermon, but there's a tie-in. God has blessed this land uniquely, hasn't he? I mean, it's unmistakable how he's blessed us. Well, how do we nationally deal with his blessings? How do we as a church 
deal with the blessings? And how do you and I, in our private lives, how do we walk in God's blessing? Let's pray. We'll ask God to help us. Lord, I thank you so much for for all that you've given us. Lord, you could have just left us in our sin, left us lost, but you saved us by your wonderful grace. But more than that, you've blessed us not just spiritually, but even physically and materially. So God, help us to be careful to walk close to you in those times of blessing. Help us now this morning to give you our full attention, to give the word of God its proper place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Notice that phrase in verse number 10. And David went on and grew great. That's been translated several different ways, but I have a little note in my Bible, and I'm no Hebrew scholar, but as I understand it, the literal, the literal Hebrew there is, could be translated that David went going and growing. Went, that's probably not the best English, that's why it's not translated that way, but literally it's going and growing, going and growing. And aren't you thankful that as we go in our Christian life, we're growing? Now, we know we're growing spiritually, and and we'll come to that at the end, that the greatest blessings, no matter what's happening physically, financially, materially, the greatest blessings are the the spiritual growth. As we're going, we're growing. But this context is talking about his status as the king. He is being lifted up. He's not just, remember, in these days, if you're thinking like the king of England and the king of France, like in olden times, that's not what we're talking about. To have been the king of Israel, it's like, you know, you're a, a chieftain of, a, of, of this group of people, and there's Philistine chieftains, and there's Israelite chieftains, and we see the, 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 the king of Tyre here as well. But what's happening is David is consolidating power, and he's rising to prominence. But it's not because of him and his great strategy. It's because the hand of God's blessing was on his life. David's going and growing. There's a few principles I want you to notice, and I'll try to move through these quickly this morning. But you'll notice in verse 10, David went on and grew grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Can we be reminded this morning this? Every good thing, could I call that a blessing? Every good thing, every blessing in our lives is from his hand. Every blessing in our lives is from the hand of God. Could you count your blessings this morning? We count our blessings. Now, there's a in our country, in our culture today, there's a move toward just general thankfulness. You hear this a lot at like Thanksgiving. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. And I, and sometimes I want to ask the question: Well, just who are we thankful to? Thankfulness has an object. Thankfulness has a person that is it is directed to, and that is the giver of all good gifts, and that is our Creator God. My one of my favorite verses is James one and verse number seventeen. James 1.17 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Gideon, keep that verse up there for a minute. Whenever I read this verse, whenever I read the verse, like, and there's a, something happens to me in my imagination and it's something physical. Where do my, maybe you're the same. Where do your eyes go in this verse? Where's the direction of the verse? It's up. It's up. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Do you remember the old hymn, There shall be showers of, showers of blessing. 
Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. That there are, that everything that comes down, and this is the father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. David here is going to realize, and we see this, that David is not growing and going and growing because of how wise he is, because of how powerful he is, because of how mighty he is. In fact, remember, we've got to tie the whole story of David together. If you go back, he was the least likely of all of Jesse's sons to be in this position. He was small. Later on, later on, the Lord is going to talk about he, how he was the, um, how David was just a, a young shepherd and God took him from the sheep coats and made of him a great king. God's, later in David's life, God's going to remind him of that. And so I just want to ask a simple question. I've got a lot of points, so I'm not going to take too much time on each of them. But I'd like us, with each of these points, to try to ask ourselves a question. How have we responded to the goodness of God in our lives? How have you responded? How have I responded to the goodness of God in my life? Well, I thought of a couple of things, and David had this option here. He could respond in praise. That's the word, um, we get this from the word, doc, the word doxology. How many of you have heard that, song, that phrase? It's often, it's often associated with the song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But that, that word doxology comes from uh, the Greek glory, to give glory. So the question is this, as we see the blessings coming down, as we receive the blessings with open hand from the Lord, do we have praise or are we tempted at times for that praise to turn into pride? Praise can turn into pride to say, look at all the things that I have done. There's many contrasts of this in the Bible. David was David would be a man who learned to praise God carefully. His predecessor, King Saul, did not. I'm reminded of the great King Nebuchadnezzar. You can read about him in the scriptures. He surveyed his vast kingdom, and he just started bragging and boasting of the greatness and glory of his kingdom. And God said, Nebuchadnezzar, you see yourself high? Let me bring you down low. An interesting, fascinating thing happened. You'll have to study that story out. But it can happen in our lives. When we're young and in the natural course of life, sometimes we're walking by faith and, and trusting God to meet our daily needs and then he starts to give us some things. Well, the question is, are we going to start to take credit for all the blessings God has given us? Or will we turn it into praise? The, another old, older worship song says, every blessing I turn back to praise. It's a great word picture. Take the blessing, turn it back to praise. Are we thankful or do we become selfish? Do we become more devoted or do we become distracted? By the blessings. Just, just ask my dad sometime. He's been, he's been at this for 31 plus years. Just ask him if he has seen in Christians' lives that where God has begun to give them blessings, and rather than those blessings bring them closer to the Lord, they become distractions that sometimes turn their hearts away. These are the lessons of the blessings. Every blessing is from his hand. I've actually gotten into my later point. There's another fascinating thing. Did you notice verse 11? Hiram. King of Tyre sent messengers to David, cedar trees and carpenters and masons. This is a fascinating thing, and the point is this. God sends surprising blessings. God sends surprising blessings. 
Who's Hiram? Never heard of him. Well, he doesn't, he's not a major player in this story. But one day, as David, remember, last week we saw David has taken Jerusalem as his capital. One day there comes a knock on the door. Or a, somebody announces at the tent opening. David, there's a messenger to see you. David, there's a messenger to see you. It's like, oh, messenger? Guess I'm a king now. I take messengers. Okay, send, <clears throat> send him in. All right. So he comes in. The messenger comes in. Hail, King David, I come from King Hiram of Tyre. Well, all right, a foreign embassy is now approaching. And he says, King Hiram, King Hiram has some things that he wants to send, to send you. Now, I imagine it this way. I don't know if it happened this way or not, but I imagine, so I've brought a few people with me. And as David peeks out behind the tent and looks behind that messenger, there's men carrying giant beams of wood, cedar trees, and there's men carrying them on their shoulders. And then he looks back and there are skilled carpenters with the carts with their tools that they've brought with them. And then there's stone masons. David, you're not living in this rinky-dink tent anymore. We're building you a house. I mean, a real house. And they come and they, they get to work and, they, and King Hiram sends this. Well, listen, Hiram would have been an opponent. He's a rival king. He, he could be an enemy like the Philistine warlords were. But instead of being an opponent, God has turned Hiram from an opponent to an ally. Hiram is now, he's not, a, he's not even a believer as far as we know. But God has taken what could have been David's opponent and surprised David with a great blessing. Listen, have you found this to be true in your life? When we walk by faith, God's method of blessing will sometimes surprise us. God will use unique circumstances, unexpected individuals, twists and turns in the road of life that we don't understand what they were at the time. Only by looking back can we see, wow, never saw it coming. But God sure surprised me with a blessing. Anybody, you've been there before? You know something? I know in my own life. In my own life, I made a decision one time, a financial decision, and it was not the best decision to make. Anybody else been guilty of that before? You've done, anybody? Just me. All right, good. So I made it. It was not the best one. But you know what? It was, I believe in that time, I was following the Lord's will for my life. It didn't, wasn't the best decision, didn't know it at the time. But God used that mistake to give me a greater blessing in the end. Does that happen to you? But that happens as we walk by faith. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things, all these blessings, they'll be added. Don't worry. I mean, you've got a plan. The book of Proverbs teaches us to be wise. You've got a plan. You've got to, you've got to set things up in your life. You've got to get an education. You've got to, you've got to make financial. So you've got to do all those things. But at the, at what, it, what it all comes down to is this. Just walk with God and he will make the path of blessing. He will lead you in his path. That's what David's doing. That's, he's just following God, following his shepherd. When we walk by faith, God's method of blessing will surprise us. What are the, have I recognized those unexpected blessings in my life? Now this, look at verse 12 now, the story goes on. 
And the point, the next point, the third point is this. Blessings should bring spiritual reflection into our lives. Blessings should bring spiritual reflection into our lives. Look at verse number 12. And David, what's the next word? Perceived. In order to perceive, you've got to stop. You've got to slow down. You've got to look and you've got to think. You've got to meditate a little bit. David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Stopped and he thought for a moment. They say, are you reading a little bit into that? Well, I might be just in this passage, but I think you'll see that the heart of David, if you look at, I think you'll see what's really going on in David's heart in Psalm 63. Look at the, when David, these tops were, these times rather, where David stops. Times where David stops to slow down and meditate on his goodness. You know, here's my problem. And I, I don't know if you're like me, and some of you may not be, but my problem is this. God blesses, and I just want to move on to the next thing. All right, what's next? Where do we go next? What are we doing next? Where, where's the next step? What happens next? Sometimes it's important for us to just stop and perceive a little bit. Stop and meditate. Look, it's, I, I gave you this psalm, and I think it'll be on the screen, Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. That's the text for the song, Shout to the Lord. No, step by step, I'm sorry. The song, step by step. O God, you are my God. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What does he want to see? I want to see your power and your glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Look at verse 3 now. He starts to talk about the blessings. Verse number 3, because, read it with me, ready? Because thy, good, good and loud, out loud, ready? One, two, three. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Keep going. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Now look at, look at verse 5. He says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Verse 6, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. As David lays down in his tent, and the sound of the carpenters from King Hiram are making noise. And the big cedar beams are being laid into place and there's construction going outside and there's uh, loyal servants all around him and all of these blessings have come into his life. David lays down on his bed and he says, God, you've been so good to me. Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. He takes time to meditate on the goodness of God. Do you do that sometimes? I know I do at times. We, last week, we got to take just a few nights away with our kids, and there's just moments, there's just moments where all of a sudden you realize, and you stop, and there might be activities going on, kids, family might be doing something, you just stop and you say, wow, God, you did this for me. You've given me this, and I sure don't deserve it. But you gave it to me. 
Am I? But the problem is sometimes we can allow the gifts to overshadow the giver. Right? The gifts are supposed to come in my hands. And with full hands and a full heart, I look up. But sometimes what happens is I get the gifts and I'm more, it's like a kid at Christmas, you know, when they're staking out their territory. You know what I'm talking about right now? Like they, all the presents have been opened, the wrappings everywhere. And what are we doing? We're consolidating our possessions, you know? We're creating our pile over here. Oh, I got this. And then over here is another. Now, your kids might be way better than mine, whatever. You didn't, that's fine. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about here? Anybody else? You know, you got some carnal ones living at home with you. So they're, they're gathered over here, pile it up over here. Sometimes we behave that way. The gifts have come down. The gifts are in our hands. And we're too busy, you know, organizing them over here and piling them up and stacking them up and admiring all the gifts, forgetting to stop and remember. Stop and remember. I spoke last uh, Sunday night at the campfire service about having making it an intentional summer. A lot of good things are going to happen in your life, hopefully, Lord willing, this summer. I love the summertime. I love taking extra time off. I like doing things. And it, it, it can be great. And it should be. I'd encourage everyone, do something with your friends. Do something with your family. Do something that, that you can uh, just get some rest and rejuvenation. But be intentional about it. And realize that those gifts are spiritual. That God wants to, God wants to show us something in our lives. Don't allow the gifts to overshadow the giver. So what have we learned? Every blessing is from his hand. God will surprise us with his blessings. All these blessings should bring spiritual reflection. There's another principle that David understands, and that is this. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Notice back in verse 12, that's where we left off. Back in verse 12, and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. And that he had exalted his kingdom, why? For his people, Israel's sake. Wow, what a great leadership, leadership lesson for David to understand at the very beginning. Why was David put into this, into this position for himself? Was David given this power and blessing for himself? Absolutely not. But for whom? For the people of Israel. And can I say also for our sake? Because it is through, think of the, the, the theological significance, it's through the kingdom of David and through the establishing of the nation of Israel that Jesus, our Messiah, would be brought into the world. All of the blessings that David has been given are not for him, but for him to be a blessing, both to his people Israel and then a blessing ultimately to all of the nations and to you and I. We are blessed. So there's great cosmic spiritual significance. But there's also a practical lesson for us. Do we realize this morning the responsibility of our blessings? Do we realize the responsibility of our blessings? There's a buzzword that goes around a lot these days that talks about privilege. Privilege, you know, that's, you, you can't escape hearing that. And there's some very unbiblical things that go along with some of that teaching. But I do think it's, it's worthy of stopping and considering that all of the good things in our lives, let's be careful that we don't get an attitude, well, it's because of all the great decisions I've made. Because of all the great... No, 
God's, God, maybe you made those great decisions because God blessed you with a good family. What did you do for that? Maybe you made, maybe your life is the way it is simply because through no choice of your own, you were born in the most wonderful country that this world has ever seen. What did you do for that? What decision, what choice did you make? Those are just the blessings of God in our lives. And there is a responsibility that comes with that. We have to understand that we've not been blessed for our own sakes, but for the sake of others. I think a classic New Testament, I'm, I'm always trying to tie in New Testament teachings with these Old Testament accounts to show that the principles are universal. See and notice in 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is writing to a church that has been very financially blessed. He's very blessed. And he's talking to them about taking their blessings and giving to others. He says, now, if you're going to sow, if you're going to plant sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You're going to hold back, just put a few seeds in, don't expect a big harvest. Don't expect a big harvest. He says, but, and, I should say, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, if that doesn't describe 21st century America, that I don't know what else would, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound now. You've got the things, you've got the stuff, Now, what works will you do with the stuff that you have? Abound to every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. This is a spiritual principle. It's not, it's not a mathematical equation, but there's a spiritual principle. Again, it's not a mathematical equation, but the spiritual principle is this. Give, and it'll be given to you. There is that, there's a proverb I'm going to... I'm gonna, um, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it memorized, but the proverb says something like this. There is one group of person that they get and they don't, they'll never give and they actually decrease. But there's others that'll scatter and even in their scattering, you know what'll happen? They'll increase. Now, sometimes God's will is for us to go through times of economic hardship. So let's, there's, we got to balance the scriptures out. But there is a spiritual principle that if you want the financial blessings of God in your life, You've got to be a giver. And if you want, and I would say this, if you want radical financial blessing, maybe you ought to try radical generosity. Just a thought, not a command, not a law. It says, as every man purposes in his heart. But just a suggestion. And, and if you would like to see radical blessing, maybe try radical generosity. Nobody's going to shout amen because you don't want to sound like the the bragger about your giving, but hopefully in your heart. Hopefully in your heart, you're like, yeah, 
I found that to be true. Again, not a mathematical equation. We don't come to God saying, God, I'm going to give so you'll bless me. That's a dangerous place to be in. But at the same time, he does say that when, when we take what we've been given and we use it for others. So just simple question, and I'll move on from this. How are you using what you've been given for God's kingdom? David realized the blessings that were his were not his. They were for the kingdom, for the people of Israel. God enriched him for the kingdom. God enriches us for his kingdom and for his kingdom work. How am I using what I've been given for God's kingdom? Okay, recap. Every blessing is from his hand. God will surprise us with blessings. Blessings should bring spiritual reflection. We are blessed to be a blessing. And now as we, we look at this next point, we need to beware the blind spots of blessing. Beware the blind spots of blessing. This is interesting. Verse number 13. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him. These Shammua and Shobab and Nathan and Solomon, Ibhar also and Elishua and Nepheg and Japhia and Elishama and Eliada and Eliphalet. David, at this point, does what would be the common practice of any king in this day and age. And he acquires to himself a sizable harem. That, that would have been the custom of the day. And it's because of God's blessing that he's able to do that. It's because of God's blessing that he's able to do that. And you say, well, Ethan, but, but isn't there a problem with that? There is a problem with that. And for sake of time, I won't have you turn there, but if you were to look at Deuteronomy 17. Actually, I, I do want to read it. So I think we have it on the screen. Let me read this to you because you've got to see this. This was, David had these scriptures. It's in Deuteronomy 7, 14. God gives a command that says this. Or is it Numbers? Where am I, Aaron? Oh. Everybody else is there. The screen is there. I am not there. Okay. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me. You understand what he's saying? He's saying, Israel, there's going to be a time when you're going to set up a king. When that happens, and you set up a king like all the nations about me, verse 15, thou shalt in any wise set him a, uh, him a king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose. That's that, David fits that description so far, right? One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. David fits that. Now look at verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Verse 17. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Hey, this is servant leadership in the Old Testament. Don't, multi don't multiply horses. Don't multiply wives. Don't multiply silver and gold. 
And in fact, verse 18, what you should do, in verse 18, when you sit upon the throne of the kingdom, write a copy of the law in a book. So in other words, he says this, what you should do is every king was required to, to, to write a handwritten copy of the law of Moses. Isn't that interesting? But you saw in the prohibition, didn't you, that what has David violated already? He's multiplied wives. He's multiplied wives. Now, there's not a whole lot that's said about that in the Scripture. God never comes and judges him directly for that. But if you study it out, nothing good ever comes in the life of David from this. No blessing ever flows from this. In fact, there are feuds and even perversion and murder and treachery all within the the extended family and half-siblings that are that, that are the result of these relationships. Nothing but a curse actually comes into David's family. Why? What has happened? He's taken the blessing, but he's blind. He has blind spots, cultural blind spots. In other words, there were things that were just accepted in the culture. David never thought twice. After all, there's a lot written in the Law of Moses, right? That passage right there probably wasn't, you know, the, the one they had plastered on the walls, you know, like in their homes, you know. We gather to give thanks here. Don't multiply wives. You know, it probably wasn't the big, that wasn't the big, uh, they, they weren't selling that at Hobby Lobby in those days. Nevertheless, so David's just, David's just blind to this culture, to this, uh, to this cultural sin. Blessings can turn to covetousness right? Listen, there are blessings of prosperity that we can be blind to in America. I don't believe it's God's plan for Christian people to use their money and their possessions exactly the same way the world around them does. We ought to have a uniquely Christian view toward it. Some of that goes back to the radical generosity that we spoke of. But listen, you and I, we have to realize we cannot... We can't have the same cultural expectations of everyone around us and still honor God with the mammon that he's given us. And that's going to have different implications in every person's life. Every person is going to have to deal with that between them and the Lord. There's no law that is going to come down and say, this is what you do with your money. In the New Testament, you see many people had great financial blessings other people had few. And God gives stewardships to different people for different reasons. But the point is this, don't be blind to the cultural expectations around us. That would become a stumbling block and a blind spot for King David. So let's ask ourselves that question. What blind spots maybe we need to be thinking about? And then I would give you this, seek a new blessing every day. Seek new blessings every day. Look with me at the rest of the story. Verse 17, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. So they had the opposite reaction that uh, the king Hiram of Tyre had. The Philistines are like, all right, let's challenge him. Let's challenge it. Let's see if David's really going to, let's, let's, let's get in his way. Let's try to fight him. So it says in verse 18, the Philistines came, spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. David, notice what David does in verse number 19. We've seen this before. Go ahead, read it with me. And David inquired of the Lord, Lord, should I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? 
The Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal, uh, Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth. Notice what he says. The Lord did this. He broke forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images. And David and his men, what did they do? They took all those idols and those, those uh, graven images. They burned them. Now there's a second battle in verse 22. The Philistines came again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Same valley, same Philistines. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. Isn't this interesting? No, I don't want you to do it that way, David. Why would God answer that? Why would God deal with this differently? Well, I can't say for sure. I don't pretend to know the mind of the Lord. But could it possibly be that this is a check for the heart of David? This is this time for David to say, you know what? I'm not going to assume the victory. I'm going to seek God for the victory. Do you remember the, you might remember the story of the children of Israel. They go and Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, big city. They have victory. Then there's this little town next door called Ai. Right? It's like, ha! We really mopped the floor with those Jerichoites. So these little men of Ai, there, we got this in the bag. And no time to seek the Lord. What do they do? They just head right into the battle and they're defeated. David doesn't do that. David doesn't say, well, God answered the prayer yesterday. God gave me the victory. I'm just going to assume every decision I make must be gold. Everything, no. Each time he seeks a new and fresh voice from God, a new and fresh word from the Lord. He says, God, what about this time? God, what about this next step? What about this next direction in my life? I'm not going to assume just because you blessed me in this area before that now I'm taking my life into my own hands and I'm going to make my own decisions. No, God, I'm going to inquire. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek your direction. And God, I, th I just think God likes that. God wants to hear his people depend and trust him. And he gives them a difference. No, I don't want you to do it that way this time, David. This time I want you to go behind them. Don't take them head on. Come around behind and you're going to go up against, you'll be near these mulberry trees. And when you hear the sound, when you hear the breeze in the top of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did it so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Seek his face continually. Don't become self-reliant. David would write several years later, 1 Chronicles 16.11. 1 Chronicles 16.11, David says, Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face how? Continually. Have you been blessed? What are you seeking God for today? What are you seeking God for? He says, David says, I'm going to seek your face continually. Now, as we've studied this, we've always looked to David, we've looked to the Scriptures, we've looked to principles, but remember, David is always pointing us to who? Ultimately, David always points us back to who? Jesus. He always points us back to Jesus. 
Back to Jesus, back to Jesus. And the blessings that we receive ought always to point us where? Back to Jesus, back to Christ, back to our Messiah, back to our Savior. And you and I know, we said this at the beginning, but the greatest blessings in our lives can't be counted in our bank account, can't be shown in a property deed, can't be even numbered in our family, but the greatest blessings are the spiritual blessings because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So whether you're here today and you're in a time of great material blessing, or you say, you know, honestly, then none of this applied to me because nothing's going right right now materially. You and I are blessed. We are so blessed because we have the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. In fact, that same word, I appreciate your attention so far. This is the last scripture I want to give you, but I encourage you to look at it with your full attention. It's Ephesians chapter 1. If all we do is look at David and, and we never come to Jesus, then we've failed in the sermon today. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. It's Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath what? Blessed us. But this verse isn't like the Corinthian verse. He's not talking about physical blessing. He's blessed us with what? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. You see, all of the good things we thought about today, the vacation you might take, the car you might drive, the house you live in, all these good blessings... These temp are, are temporal and temporary. And they're like a taste. They're like a taste of the eternal blessing God has prepared for his children. It's, it's, it's the essence. It's the smell. It's the taste. It's not the substance. It's not the real thing. It's just to whet our appetite for the main course, which is found in Jesus Christ. Sadly, there are some people that all they live is with the, just the, the crumbs and the, and the little taste of goodness, and they never, they never fully receive the goodness of God. But it says here that we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then he describes it, verse number four. He says, after all, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world. Your bank account might be low, but you were chosen before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. When I said, hey, have you been blessed this morning? You, like I, probably thought of all the good things that God has given you. But wait a minute. We are blessed because we are chosen before the foundation of the world. God has an eternal design that I'll be holy and no sin before Him. I'll stand perfect in Christ in love. That is the greatest blessing that I have standing. Like we sang in that song, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim and claim the crown through Christ. I'm adopted. And it's been part of, it says predestinated. It has been part of the plan of God from eternity past that all who will come to him in faith are predestined to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. That's what he desires for us. 
Verse 6, to the praise, to the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. In whom? In whom? Read, it, read verse 7 out loud together with me, please. Ready? In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. King David could bless his kingdom with power, with victory, with riches, but only Jesus, only Jesus can give redemption through His blood. Only King Jesus can give the forgiveness of sins. Only King Jesus can give us an eternal home. Are you thankful that you have the blessings of the eternal King? Let's bow our heads for prayer as we conclude this morning. Just simple question as we conclude. For the believer in Jesus, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I ask you this question? Are you glorifying God with the blessings He's given you? Maybe this has been a helpful reminder this morning that God, all these blessings I have received, help me to turn them back to praise. Would you say this morning that God has spoken to your heart? God, make me more thankful. God, help me to glorify you with what you've given me. That's for the believer in Christ. You have eternal riches. Take these, take these temporal riches and, and use them for his kingdom. But then the question goes to those who are uncertain. You might be here this morning or you might be watching on the live stream today and you don't know for sure that you have received those spiritual blessings. You don't know if heaven is your home. If you died right now, would you go to heaven or would you have to pay for your sins in hell? If you don't know the answer to that question, I want to encourage you today to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus came. The Bible says that He gave up His riches of heaven. He gave up the riches of heaven. He went, became a human being. He died on the cross and He rose again to give us eternal life. And all that's left for you and for me to do is to ask Him to save us, to put our faith in Him. Not in a church, not in religion, but in Jesus. Is Jesus your Savior? If you'd say, Ethan, I'm not sure. I want to invite you right now to receive Jesus Christ by faith. You say, how do I do that? You can pray a simple prayer. It's really the, the cry of your heart, though. It's the belief of your heart, but you can express it in a prayer to God. You can say, dear Lord, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. So today, I ask you to save me. I put my full faith and trust in you alone. If you've never done that, right now, in faith, call out to Christ. Is there anyone that would say, Ethan, today I did that for the first time? No one's looking around, but you quickly put up your hand. You say, Ethan, today I put my faith in Christ. Just put your hand up, put it down. Today, I ask Jesus to save me. If you're watching online and you trusted Christ today, would you send us a message? Let us know, yes, today I put my faith in Jesus. Christians, friends, as we conclude the service, I'm going to ask Deborah to play. Would you just spend some time in prayer? Maybe give him thanks for the gifts and blessings he's given you. Turn your heart of praise to him. Thank you.
Lord, you've been so, so good to us. Help us, Lord, to give you glory with our very lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.